Herod Antipatus loves hearing John the Baptist, but because of his pride, male pride, he won't go back on his word. There are people today in churches that love the church and they love the sermons, but the sermons doesn't do anything for them. They never, never get touched by the Holy Spirit's power. They just sit and they listen and they think they're okay. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're in the second week of a series in Mark's Gospel, and we're glad you've made time to be with us. In just a few moments, we'll explore the difference between merely attending church and living in true communion with Christ. Like Herod and the people of Jesus' hometown, you may be willing to listen to God's Word, but you don't want to accept what it says about sin and your need of a Savior. Keep listening for a challenge to evaluate the true state of your heart. If you have your Bible, join us in Mark chapter 6. Here's Raul Reese. Here we have Jesus going from Capernaum back to his hometown of Nazareth, which is pretty interesting because this is now the second time that Jesus is coming back to his hometown. And uh, from uh, probably from Capernaum to go to Nazareth, it's about 25 miles, probably 30, 40 miles away. And when you come to Nazareth, I've told you before that Nazareth is literally a very dirty place. Uh, we never stop at Nazareth anymore. We actually pass on through Nazareth from a far distance. We see it. there's really nothing to see in Nazareth, only a big old church. But Nazareth was known for the people that were always drinking. A lot of drunkards in Nazareth. And even today, uh, you can still see that today. But to me, it was interesting where it says in the Word of God, beginning with chapter 6, verse 1. And Jesus went out from there, and he came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From where has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which was given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now, he spent about 30 years in Nazareth. Everybody knew who Jesus was. They did not know that he was the Son of God at that time. And of course, we don't have anything in history or in the Bible from age 12 to 30. So the Bible is silent so we can really say much about Jesus. But to me... It's amazing how these people were so shocked and surprised when he began to reveal himself to them as a son of God. And he went and did miracles and wonders among them, brought through his own hands. And yet they were amazed about it. They couldn't really believe it. And I think it goes for any one of us because when people know our lives, and of course Jesus never sinned, he was always a good person. But you and I, when we get saved and we try to go back to our own hometown, there seems to be always persecution. Or people don't want to hear it or people don't believe that you've been changed. And they actually resist uh, the word of God that is coming to them. 
But here Jesus goes into the synagogue, which was the place of teaching, just like we have here tonight. In the synagogue, the woman would sit on one side, the men on the other side. And whoever was invited for that Sabbath day, they would get up and they would open the scriptures and they would teach whatever they felt like teaching. And they would expound the word of God. At this time, Jesus comes back home for the second time and the last time. And he is totally amazed how he cannot do really great miracles and wonders in his own hometown. And the reason is because of unbelief. They don't believe who he is. And that's always a tragedy. But look what he says in verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Hoses, and Judah, or Jude, and Simon? And are not this his sisters that are here with us? And they were offended at him. The word there is scandalous in the Greek. It means they were stumbled. As if you trip to fall. They stumbled on Jesus Christ. They did not want to believe who he was. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Notice that. It's so sad. Because we notice his family is not saved at this point in time. Later on. We don't know anything about his sisters or his other brothers. But we know for sure that Jude and James came to know the Lord personally. And they became writers of two epistles. Jude and the book of James. Verse 5. And because of that he could there do no mighty work. Say that he laid the hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Notice that. He couldn't do much in his own hometown. I can remember when I first accepted the Lord. Probably for the first five or six years as a believer. Uh, my family had a real hard time with me. Because I had come to know the Lord. And then all of a sudden you're trying to go back home with your family. And it seems that every time I would go with my wife and my children back home, there was always an explosion. And the reason is because I was a Christian. They couldn't receive Christ into the home. And there was always a fight to go to my mom and dad's house. But at the same time, I came to a conclusion in my life that because of the problems and situations and what my children were actually viewing and seeing, that we would not go unless God would allow us to be in the home and there would be peace in the home. And for many, many months, we didn't go to my parents' home. We kind of cut them off. And we just prayed. And through that, God began to work in my family. He began to work in the life of my father, in the life of my mother. Unbelief kept his loved ones in the town from coming to know his personal love and grace and mercy. Unbelief. Verse 6. And then he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. So from there he started going out and teaching other people. Then in verses 7 to 29, notice the unbelief now of his enemies. And then he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. Now we have the commissioning of the disciples. Here they are, twelve of them. One is a devil, Judas Iscariot. And he's with them. 
And during that period of time, they had been with Jesus for a period of training. And now they were ready to go and to preach the gospel. And notice that He doesn't send them out one by one, two by two. You see? Two by two. Husband or wife, or son with son, or brother with brother, or sister with sister, or sister or brother. But they go out on twos. Why? Because where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst of you. And it's not good to be alone. It's good to be with somebody else. That's why many times when missionaries that are single go to the mission field, within a period of time of six months to a year, they'll get married. Because being in the mission field by yourself is not only lonely, but it's dangerous too. Because you could fall. And so here we see the accountability and the integrity that Jesus has with His own disciples as He begins to send them out two by two. And what did He do? He gave them power over unclean spirits. Imagine that. And what else? And then He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only and no script, no bread, no money in their purse. Now, why would the Lord say that? Because when you look at missionaries today, I mean, not all of them, but I know many of them, that whenever they want to go to the mission field, they always are not trusting in the Lord, but they're trusting in men for support. It's real sad. And I have seen missionaries in Central America, South America, over in Europe and different places where they'll go from a church to become missionaries. And they'll get the support from the church. And as they're writing to other people, they're getting all this money from people. And instead of living among the people, they go and they rent a house where the upper class and they have mates and all that. And yet they go down the hill and they minister to people. And then they come back up and they go back to their own little houses when they're supposed to be missionaries in the mission field. Happens a lot of times. And it's so sad. Because then what they do is they come to America and they'll visit church to church and they'll tell the stories and they'll pump people for money and they'll take this money back and they'll, instead of using it in the ministry, they use it in themselves. They use it for themselves, for their own profit. And so I've learned a lot about faith even coming from West Covina to this building here in this property. And a lot of times people want to be supported But at the same time, they do not want to take a step of faith and allow God to work through some person when God really speaks to a person to support that person. You see? God can speak to anybody. So what do they do? They write letters. And they tell you how much they need and what all their needs are when we're supposed to go to the Lord for our needs and our support. And then God can touch people's hearts and then answer prayer will come reality in the life of a person. I like that. When you really, really pray and God answers your prayers. And you can say, you know what? I didn't tell anybody God answered my prayer. He met my needs today. That's what God intends to do. These guys had to go out. And they had to trust in the Lord. And the reason He did that is He was teaching them faith. But at the same time, He also not only wanted them to trust in God, but He wanted them to depend on the people's hospitality to see if the people would actually invite them into their homes and take care of them. There is a little book that Barclay writes about called the Dicaetus. It's a book that that actual disciples wrote on prophets. If a prophet comes into your house, it says, and he stays more than three days in your house, he's a false prophet. If he comes and he asks for money, he's a false prophet. 
And this little book that Dikeetas gives you every step of the way that, that the actual disciples wrote concerning what the signs of a, pro, of a false prophet are. And he tells you exactly what to look for. And every one of them are followed by every one of the false prophets. Because we're supposed to depend on God. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. This ministry is committed to helping you live out as a born-again believer. Visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call us at 800-634-9165. For convenient access to even more Bible-based teaching and resources, download our free app. Now let's get back to more with Raul Reese. Verse 8. And he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse. But he shot with sandals and not to put on two coats. And then he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide until you depart from that place. And whoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Notice that. Verily I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that city. Notice how heavy this is, what he says here. Here he's talking about leaving a city that you've been rejected, shaking off the dust off your feet. Kind of like a rebuke. But most important here, when he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment, he's literally speaking of the degrees of punishment that will be given to people. Now, a lot of people say, you mean when people go to hell and they go to the lake of fire, is that place going to be just one place for all? Well, not according to the scripture. It says there's going to be a place where there's going to be different people being tormented in different degrees of what? Of punishment. According to what? According to knowledge, according to the light. How much did you hear? How much did you take in on the word of God? How many sermons? How many radio broadcasts you heard? You see? According to the degree of punishment, people will be held up according to the scripture here. Then he said also this, and they went out and they preached that men should repent. And here again, their message is what? Repentance. Turning to God from sin. Verse 13. And then they cast out many devils. And anointed with oil many that were sick. And he healed them. This is now the beginning of James chapter 5 verse 13 through 18. Where this is the first reference in the New Testament to do what? To anoint people with oil when they are sick. The oil doesn't heal you. It's a symbol of what? Of the Holy Spirit. So whenever people come to us and say, well, I'm weak or I'm sick and I need prayer, what do we do? We take a little bottle of oil. It could be Western oil, whatever it is, no matter. But the thing about it is this, that when I put that oil in your forehead, the oil is not going to do anything for you. It's that step of faith in believing that as I'm being laid hands on and you're praying for me, that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. You see? It's not my prayer or your prayer. It's faith in Jesus Christ and believing what he can do concerning the sickness of that person. So here is the first time we have the anointing with oil. Then in verse 14 he says, And King Herod heard of Jesus, for his name was spreading abroad. And he said, 
that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show for themselves in him. So there was a great conviction in the life of Herod. Why? Because Herod Antipatus, while in his fortress, when John the Baptist was imprisoned there, John the Baptist literally preached the gospel to Herod Antipatus, and he heard the gospel. But he never ever made a decision for Christ. He heard it, and he loved his preaching. But he never ever made a decision to receive Christ. And so when he actually hearing of Jesus, he's thinking that John the Baptist is Jesus resurrected from the dead, and is coming back to judge him. So he feels conviction. So they tell you the story here. And then others said that it was Elias. And others said it's a prophet or one of the prophets. But when Herod heard therefore, he said, It is John whom I have beheaded. He is risen from the dead. And for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hands upon John and bound him in prison. For Herodias' sake, his brother's Philip's wife. You see, he was living under adultery. For he had married her. And then John, for John had said unto Herod, and John was in prison. Imagine you being upstairs in your actual kingship, and the way down below the dungeon, all of a sudden it begins to echo out as John the Baptist is screaming. He says, Hey Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Imagine every day hearing that. You sinner. It's not good that you're living in adultery. You took away your brother's wife and now you have her to yourself. Therefore, when Herodias heard this, had a quarrel against him, she hated John the Baptist and would have killed him, but she could not. She wasn't queen. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy man. Now notice how incredible this is. He knows that he's a good person. He knows that he's a prophet. And yet, he doesn't come to know Christ. How sad. There are people like that in the church that they can come and sit here and they can listen. And they can hear the sermons. And the Holy Spirit can even speak to their hearts. And yet, they'll never come to true repentance. They'll walk away. They'll just walk away from the truth of God. That was Herod Antipatus. He heard it over and over and he recognized that John the Baptist was a just man, a holy man, and that he observed him. And notice, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Notice, he loved hearing his preaching, but he never made a commitment. There are people today in churches that love the church and they love the sermons, but the sermons doesn't do anything for them. They never, never get touched by the Holy Spirit's power. They just sit and they listen. And they think they're okay. That was Herod Antipatus. Look what else it says. So in, when a convenient day came, Herod, on his birthday, made a supper to his lords and his high captains and the chief states of Galilee. So he invited all the important people. It was his birthday. and He's going to have a big old drunken party. And when the daughter of the Herodias came in, here's this 14, 15 year old girl, and she's totally dressed seductively. She walks in. She says, she came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him. And the king said unto the damsel, 
ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. So it must have been quite a dance. Dirty old man Herod. He got seduced. He liked what he saw. And yet the mother is the one that actually talked to the daughter to do that. And so when she heard that, hey, whatever you want, I'll give you even to half of my kingdom. She went over to her mother and said, hey mom, what shall I ask for? Verse 23, notice. He said, and he swore unto her, whatever thou shalt ask me, I will give you even to half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask mother? And she said, ask him for the head of John the Baptist. Imagine how much hatred she had against John. She could have been rich. But she wanted John's head on the platter. And she came in straight away and with haste unto the king. And he asked saying, I will that you give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Now can you imagine? Herod Antipatus loves hearing John the Baptist. But because of his pride, male pride, he won't go back on his word. He could have. But he didn't. Look what it says in verse 26. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet for his oath's sake and for the sake of those that were sitting around him, he would not reject her offer. Notice that. Her request. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded John in the prison. And this was the end of the ministry of John the Baptist. Now isn't that interesting also? That John the Baptist was on God's divine time. And this was the day that the Lord already in all of eternity had said, John today will die. And God knew what kind of death he would have. Just like you and I. God already has a day where you and I are going to die. If you've never fully surrendered your heart to Jesus, we hope today's message has been a challenge for you to make this all-important, life-transforming decision. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review this lesson, call 800-634-9165, and we'll send you an unedited copy for a donation of $5 or more. When you get in touch with us, simply ask for Raul's teaching from Mark chapter 6. We'd also like to tell you about Rawls' insightful book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Drawing parallels between his Vietnam War experiences and the battle that rages daily for our hearts and lives, Rawls explains how to recognize spiritual attacks and outlines Bible-based tactics for successful combat. You'll see that when you faithfully follow Christ, you're grounded and protected in His mighty name. Contact us to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your copy for a gift of $14 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. Or if you'd like, you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We'd also love to mention several free Somebody Loves You resources. Join Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time for Straight Talk, a Q&A program with guidance for a Christ-honoring life. 
You can also enjoy Rawls' teachings as podcast. Every one of these programs is available to download using Spotify or iTunes. And you'll want to get your morning started right with Rawls' daily devotional emails. Subscribe for free on our website. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Now, if you'd like to partner with Somebody Loves Your Radio in keeping verse-by-verse Bible teaching on the air, we encourage you to become involved in a financial way. You get the blessing of helping someone else hear the gospel and bring the influence of Christ into more and more places. Every gift you give is tax-deductible. We'd also love for you to join us again next time as we continue this series in Mark's Gospel. Seeing how the Pharisees settled for religious traditions over a real relationship with Jesus— you'll get a challenge to evaluate your own heart before the Lord. Now here's Roll once again with a final thought from today's lesson. And to me, it was an eye-opener for my own personal life because here, John the Baptist is a righteous man and he's powerful. The Lord could have gone and let him out of prison. But imagine here, Jesus allowed John, his first cousin, to go to jail, to be in prison, to be locked up, just so that he could preach to Herod Antipatus and give him the opportunity of coming to know Christ and repenting of his sin and dropping the adulterous relationship. But instead what happened, he got seduced by a 15-year-old girl. He got excited. And he went back on his word. And because he didn't want to be embarrassed and because of his pride as a mailman, what did he do? He went and asked for John and had him killed and beheaded. And they brought the head of John the Baptist in a platter. Verse 28. And they brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. They took it home. Maybe it's a trophy. But watch this. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and they took up this corpse and they laid it in the tomb. They buried his body without a head. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.